real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today has over 25 years of experience leading recruiting teams along with career and business coaching. She started her first firm in 2009, and in the first year, she went from zero to seven figures with no outside investments. She has worked with many Fortune 500 companies and startups and has cultivated over 15,000 job placements and transformed the career mindset for thousands of individuals. Please welcome to the show, Gail Tolstoy Miller. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Did I get your name right? I meant to ask you that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Perfect. I'm impressed, actually. I know I, I did quite the bio there, but can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got started in business? Yeah, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version <laughs> of it. <laughs> At least I'll try. So after I graduated college, I was supposed to go to law school and realized that that was not where my passion lies. And that was in the music industry. So I worked in the recording industry for quite a few years, including Sony Music Studios, and then realized that the industry was changing and that a big part of my job was recruiting my staff. So I decided to get out of the music industry and go into staffing. So long story short, I have about 25 years of staffing experience in various industries, all different functions, all different levels, both on the corporate side and on the agency side. So in 2009, I was vice president of a staffing firm. And as you know, in 2009, (laughs) things were not good. And I saw the writing on the wall. We see it first, actually, in recruiting. I knew something was not going well with the economy before other people did. And the person I was working for, the company, they shifted their organization and I was laid off. So at that point, you know, when you have that many years of experience, at least for me, I could speak for myself, you realize that everyone bounces back on their feet. So I know that most people, when they lose their job, it is the worst thing ever for them. They're depressed, they feel blindsided, they're frustrated. But for me, I was a realist because I saw this all around me. So I was able to pull myself together very quickly. And also at the same time, my husband had a restaurant and he closed his restaurant while I lost my job. So Mm. it really wasn't a great situation, but something told me that I needed to leverage my background and start something on my own. And at that point, you know, everyone says, be very narrow in your focus. And the company that I worked for only placed HR professionals. That was it. Now, of course, all those people were being laid off. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to cast a wide net. And 
that's what I did because I had recruiting experience in the pharma industry, finance, entertainment. So I casted a wide net. I never had a business plan and I just started grinding. Like I just started doing my thing. And the hardest part was, you know, obviously the sales aspect, getting clients, right? Like I knew I'm a good recruiter. That's great. But that doesn't mean anything if you have no jobs to work on, especially then. So I decided, you know, I did some research of what jobs are open. I went on Indeed. I went on ZipRecruiter to see who's hiring and leveraged my contacts that I already had and just started trying to fill jobs. And that was really it. I used consultants to do some of the marketing. And to this day, like I even use like Fiverr. You know, <laughs> you know, using resources, it's, it's being very resourceful. And I think a lot of people have analysis paralysis when they start their business. I didn't do any of that. I just went full force and I felt like I had nothing to lose. I could only go up, right? Like I, I might as well just try it. And I had no goal of reaching seven figures in a year. I mean, I never thought that in a million years, especially because of the bad economy. So my weakness was definitely the sales aspect and wanting to grow and leverage my contacts. But what can I do? Like, I'm an introvert. How can I build my company in a way that feels authentic to me and feels right to me in the way that doesn't feel spammy or salesy? Because that's just not me. And I never saw myself as a good networker. So I went to this speed networking event, this B2B, and that changed everything. It felt really comfortable. It was very transactional in a sense, but it forced me to meet a lot of people in a short period of time where before I would have been just standing in a room and not talking to anybody or talking to like one person. And I think that's really natural to do. So I decided to start my own speed networking organization, which is kind of like the secondary part of my company. It wasn't intended to make a lot of money. It was more of exposure. So it was kind of like the gateway to my company, if that makes any sense. So I would charge just a little bit more. I wouldn't charge a lot for the events. I just wanted to get make as many connections and as meet as many people as I could. And when you're the organizer and you're the most memorable person in the room, and that's what I learned. So being the organizer of my events really helped and I never had to sell myself. So I got business that way. Then I decided to start and I think this is really important for anyone that wants to start a business is really think about who your target is. Who's your customer? Who's your avatar? And then start a LinkedIn group that targets that. So I'll give you an example. I started I'm in New Jersey and my target is HR professionals. So I started a private HR New Jersey LinkedIn group and people from all over New Jersey in HR would join this group. And then I would have live events and then I'd have speakers that were in this group. And a lot of these speakers were like in Fortune 500 companies and we would have networking and they would provide great information. And again, it didn't cost me anything because Either they would pay while they're there or they would give me the money up front and then I would pay it. So it really, it cost me nothing. 
It cost me nothing and it gave me a lot of exposure. I got a lot of business that way. So those two things, I think for the first year really helped grow my organization. Wow, that's a genius idea. So basically what you did was you went to a networking event that's, I guess, that someone else had hosted. And then you decided to start your own. And so you said that people would pay some sort of money, I guess, to go, but it was minimal. But still, I mean, every bit helps. It pays for your time, I guess. But then you're meeting all these people. And like you said, because you're the organizer, you're kind of the the main person, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I would sponsor it too. So that's the one thing I invested in is you go to your local store and you get this big sign with your company name, it costs you less than $100. Mm-hmm. And you sponsor and you buy it once. And then each time you have an event, you know, your company sponsors it. And all it is is a sign. And that's that's the only thing I do. I never do the selling. I never, you know, a lot of these events, the people that sponsor, they do a five-minute pitch. I never did that. That's just not me. I just don't feel comfortable. Now, if your audience feels comfortable with that, great. That's just not my style. So, but it was effect it was definitely effective. I, I gotta tell you, it's a great way to build your business and the LinkedIn groups, you know, maybe even a Facebook group, just like know where your audience is at. Obviously, my audience is on LinkedIn. So it made sense. But the live events, we would meet up every month or every two months and in the group, you know, best practices and we help each other out and people would post HR jobs. It, it was a really good way of getting a lot of exposure and building my business. And obviously networking, word of mouth. Okay, so a LinkedIn group, you know, because people are always talking about Facebook groups, but if you are like a B2B, then you would recommend a LinkedIn group? I would say try both. I just know that my target's on, because let's face it, LinkedIn, there's so many recruiters, there's so many HR professionals on there because, you know, they're looking for people to hire. So I know that that's where they're at. I would say try both and experiment. And that's another thing, like try different things. Like I'm a I I think I'm a creative thinker. I mean, obviously, I started in the music industry, so I like to be creative. And don't be afraid to try new things. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So what? Like, that's that's kind of my mindset. It's like, I'll try anything and just see what works. I, I never got too caught up in my competitors, which is interesting because I kind of know my industry Yeah, I kept up with it a little bit, but I never got obsessed with my competitors because I always felt like there's enough room for everyone. And I had very personalized attention. That's kind of what made me stood out. And I think also what's really, really important is having an authentic voice and starting when you start your business, don't create something that you think people, don't be a chameleon because you'll never be able to speak to the right person. The person is doing business with you, believe it or not. Yes, it's your product, it's your service. But if you're heavily involved in the day-to-day, especially when you're starting out, it's you. So I think that you need to be authentic and you will attract those people. It's just much easier when you could be yourself because then you infuse that in with your marketing. And I will say that LinkedIn has been an unbelievable marketing tool and being involved And being a subject matter expert and writing every day on LinkedIn with little tips, that also helps. So leveraging the right social media 
for your platform is so important. And just trying to be visible. I mean, that's really important and respected and bringing value to your audience. So you attract them. Yeah, I think people feel like they need to be on every social media platform. And I guess I'm on most of them. But I found that LinkedIn in particular has been a big one for me. And and now Clubhouse as well. I, I find that I'm spending more time on LinkedIn than Facebook now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like LinkedIn is my thing. Instagram hasn't been that great for me. Twitter's okay. Clubhouse I can't get into because oh. I, don't, I don't have, you know, I've got a droid, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know. Come on. What is this? Phone bias? Come on. <laughs> I know they're working on an app for it, so hopefully soon. That's interesting about the in-person network that you're talking about because you know, people are always talking about networking online and whatnot, which is important. But yeah, the in-person networking, I imagine, goes so much further. And of course, there isn't a whole lot of that, or there hasn't been lately. <laughs> but no, there hasn't. <laughs> hopefully soon. What, I guess, tips would you have when you are networking and meeting people and potential clients or customers? I mean, I would say, listen. I think listening is really important. And just trying to provide value. I mean, I wrote a book called Networking Karma. And I think the biggest mistake people make is thinking that it's all about them. And when you give, when I say give to others, it could be sending an article or helping them try to find out what their needs are. Maybe it has nothing to do with what your business is, but maybe you can help them with something else and they'll remember you and pay it back to you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So let's say... I'll give you an example. Let's say someone is trying to sell a product. They meet someone and they're like, oh, do you know anybody? I need to hire someone, right? So that's not your business, right? That's my business. So I wouldn't give it away for free, right? But if you can help them and say, you know what? I know someone in your industry that would be perfect. Here you go. I will introduce you. And then they interview and they get hired. Of course, they're going to want to pay it forward, right? Well, you would think. But the more you give, I find the more you get back. And I, I feel like the more desperate you act, the less effective you are. And just being yourself. Now, again, I don't consider myself your stereotypical great salesperson. If you have those great skills, and hey, do it your way. I feel like there's no right or wrong way per se, but I do think there are certain things that you should not or should be doing, you know, cultivating, keeping in contact. And again, when I say gaining exposure on social media, know what you're good at. Are you good at writing? Maybe it's just writing because a lot of people feel awkward on camera. You know, maybe it's creating videos. I do think that a lot of people, and this is another thing, have imposter syndrome. Mm. And you feel like you're not good enough. And it takes practice. So I'll give you an example. I was never good at public speaking, right? Because I'm an introvert. I'm not, I felt like I was never good at networking, but I felt like I wanted to take my business to the next level. Now, this is after I reached seven figures. So what's the next thing I, I need to do? And I'm like, I'm going to do a TEDx talk. Now, imagine how petrified I was because I'm not I I'm not good at it. I'm not good at public speaking. And I got a TEDx talk and I will tell you what I've learned from that. It was so transformational that when you are not if you feel like you're not good at something, 
then it becomes more of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you stay away from it, right? Because you feel like not confident. You feel like you're not good enough. You're going to fall on your face, fear of failure. So you avoid it, right? You're going to stick with the things that you think you're great at. But in order to get yourself to the next level, sometimes you have to lean into the uncomfortable aspects to forge ahead. And I I did that. And I will tell you that it changed my life doing that TEDx talk. That was the best business card I could ever have. I got so much business from my TEDx talk and you don't get paid for that. It was the best advertisement billboard that I could ever have. So it's important to be strategic in your business. You may say, oh, I'm not going to do this TEDx talk. I don't, I should get paid for it. But it's so short-sighted because you have to think about the exposure. No one gets paid for their TED talk, TED or TEDx. So yeah, think of cost-effective ways that will help you gain exposure. And of course, building up your mailing list, right? They say that, look, any platform, social media platform can change, like their logarithm, which can severely impact your business or the communication or the views. So you're kind of relying on someone else. I'm not saying to give it up because it's been a game changer, but you still want to own, in a sense, your own list, right? So you want to go it at all different ways, social media, your website, creating collateral and getting emails, sending out emails once a week. I'm not a big fan of emails every day. I don't like spamming people too. That's mm-hmm. just me. I don't like that. Yeah. So I think that it's not just one wave your wand and things will magically appear, but it's doing a lot of different things, experimenting and just being resourceful. And it doesn't have to cost you a lot. It really doesn't. And then if you are stuck, eventually getting a coach and investing in yourself is really important because we're all flawed, right? There's always something that's holding you back in your business and usually it's you. Mm-hmm. right? You got to take responsibility for all the failures. I just did a podcast on this <laughs> based on Rachel Hollis's mess up. And when you're the CEO of your organization, whether you have employees or not, every single mistake is your mistake and you've got to own that. So it's taking the necessary steps to figure out where your blind spots are. And then if you can afford a coach, invest in a coach that will help you. Yeah, that's good advice. So the main way that you built a seven-figure business on a shoestring budget was primarily through networking, it sounds like. Networking and LinkedIn, I would say. Okay. How did you get the TEDx talk? What is the process like if someone is interested in looking into that? So I think, I'm trying to remember how I got it. Someone posted, I was in a group, a Facebook group, and someone said they were looking for someone. And then someone referred me. I don't know why. And then I spoke to that person, the organizer, and we spoke. I came up with the topic and I tried out and I got it. But I almost got I almost got fired two weeks before. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, it, the most horrifying experience. But interestingly enough, my TEDx talk ended up being the most watched to this day of that particular group of people. So I ended up almost fired, but yet performing the best. At not, I'm not saying I did better than them because they were amazing. I thought 
they did great. I'm not putting them down, but I guess my topic was maybe more relevant. I don't know. But yeah, so just push yourself, lean into your fear and great things will happen. Oh, another tip, which I found astounding, visualization. So I had a vision board and I got a frame. Was it like an eight by 11 frame, like your typical frame? And I created a vision board with different pictures of my goals and I kept it on my desk. And I looked at it every day. Now, it's not something I would stare at, but sublimity, you know, it's there, you see it, and you spend time making this. And after a couple of months, I noticed when I would look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then I would update it. And then again, I started achieving all these things that were on my vision board and I couldn't get over it. So visualization and visualizing what you want is so important. So important. Curious what is still on your board that you are still waiting to accomplish? (laughs) You know, that's a very good question. I think I haven't looked at it in a while because of COVID and I'm trying to, COVID really changed everything for me, my mindset. So I'm actually going to update that. So I can't tell you right now, to be honest. <laughs> like I can't give you a definite answer on that one. Oh, and another thing, the lesson that I learned too in growing my business is scaling your business is so important. So I ended up growing my business, start getting employees. And unfortunately, at the height of my business, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I was a workaholic. I was so involved in my business that even though I was going through a year of cancer treatment, I couldn't take any time off. So basically, I was running my business with a chemo trip in my arm, and I was really not taking care of myself the way I should. So that really taught me a huge lesson. Number one, make sure you have disability insurance. Number two is ask yourself this question when you get to a certain point is, can your business run without you if you had to take a year off? If you had to take six months off, if you could take three months off, when you first start, you know, obviously you're not there yet because you're starting. But once you get to a certain level, you've got to make sure that your business is scaled, that you empower your employees. I don't think I was empowering my employees enough. I was too controlling because that's kind of my personality. And those were the two big lessons that I learned as I was going through that. And also profits and margins. So yeah, you can have a seven-figure business, but what is your profit? Mm, yeah. That's- and that's that's what I was realizing too. It's like, wow, like I'm like running myself ragged. I'm exhausted. I'm working crazy hours. And then I'm like, okay. And I've got, you know, after a while, I think my payroll was like 800,000. Mm. And then I had, you know, an office and all this stuff. And then I started looking and I'm like, wait, but what am I left with? You know, like it sounds great that you have like this seven figure business, but what am I really, what am I making? Right. Mm-hmm. So when I started looking at that, then I started thinking, all right, how can I increase my profits? And I started shifting to more of digital learning. And I think that is really a great, just another source of income, right? So I think it's important to have various sources of income too. And that has been a game changer is bottling your knowledge, your expertise into a course And then making money while you sleep. 
Mm. (laughs) right? You cannot beat that. It's priceless. And then from that, then you can add on services. Like you can add on coaching services and upgrades and all that. So there's many different ways. Everybody's in a different business, but even if you're in a product business, there's still a course out there, no matter what you do, right? There's always a course for someone. Yeah. I'm actually currently working on my first course about podcasting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so many people want a podcast. Mm -hmm. So that's a great course. So I was seeing on your website something about the so what method. Can you explain what that is? Sure. So my TEDx talk and audience, you should check it out. It's about unconscious bias in recruiting and my experiences with unconscious bias, which is these are snap decisions, judgments that we make regarding people and experiences. And what that can lead to is microaggressions, lack of diversity, and the list goes on and on. And it shows up, we all have it. It shows up in all facets of our life, such as education, healthcare, judicial system, media, politics, everything. So what I realized throughout my career was I kept saying, so what? To the hiring managers over and over and over. Well, I don't like her because, and this is in my TEDx talk, and this really happened. A candidate was perfect for the job and they were wearing white pumps after Labor Day. Now, okay, no, no joke. Okay. (laughs) And so I'm in New Jersey. I don't know what it's like. I know you're in Texas. I don't know if you have that rule. I don't know because, you know, we have seasons. We've got, so it's just kind of like a rule don't wear white pumps after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Is it like that in Texas? <laughs> well, I mean, I've heard the expression. I don't I don't really spend a whole lot of time looking at people's shoes, though. Or, well, yeah. actually, I do look at people's shoes sometimes, but I don't think about what time of the year it is. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I said, well, are you going to hire her? And they're like, you know, she, she is really good, but I just there's something in my gut that's telling me, I, you know, I can't quite put my finger on it. I just, I can't hire her. There's something telling me not to hire her. And I'm like, well, what is it? And she's like, I don't know. And she goes, oh, by the way, did you notice her white pumps? <laughs> like, you're not supposed to wear white pumps after Labor Day. And I'm like, okay, that's it. She doesn't even know it. Mm-hmm. It's unconscious. It bothers her. It's annoying to her. And so to me, that's a big, so what? So what? That has nothing to do with the fact that she can do the job or not. So these are the things that corporate America gets very, what can I say, in hiring, boggled down with. All these little things that don't matter, that they think matter. These are the lies that we tell ourselves. So what happens is that a lot of great candidates go in the no pile because of our own unconscious bias. So I have this so what method which kind of gives you a mental pause on really focusing on your own self-awareness and focusing on the things that matter. It kind of breaks up your quick thinking that gets you into trouble, right? When sometimes we make those snap decisions and we're not thinking about it, that's when the unconscious. So it gives you a pause. It helps you remove your emotional clutter to help you focus on making those right decisions. 
And it's not just hiring. It's in everything. It's in all facets of her life. And this So Wet has really helped not only in corporate America, but your personal life. Because we spend, I think, like 85% of our days thinking about negative thoughts that really we build up, we worry about that really have no impact on our lives, but we build it up that it is, right? So we're living these lives and we'd be much happier if we just didn't worry so darn much. So you can use the so what. It's like, okay, this happened today. Okay, so what? Like, what's the big deal, right? Why am I so worried about this? And then you kind of flip it and say, all right, what's the worst that can happen? And then you're kind of talking yourself out of it. And before you know it, you don't care anymore because it's not important. We're focusing on so many things that just don't matter. So that's kind of where the so what comes into play. Yeah, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, yeah, you could apply that to almost anything in life. Or like you said, like maybe if you're thinking of something negative, you know, maybe think of the, like here, an example for me, I don't know why I just thought of this, but a few months ago I was driving my car and someone stopped suddenly. And so the car in the left lane like swerved over into my lane and I had to slam on my brakes. I managed to not hit them, but the car behind me then had to dodge me and he clipped me. And anyway, so we got in like the, a fender bender. It wasn't that big of a deal. So we pulled over and whatever. Well, I had just gotten my brakes replaced for the first time ever on this particular car, like the week before. And I was thinking, so a negative thing happened. I got in a small accident, but I was thinking instead of focusing on the fact that I got an accident, I started focusing on, well, what if I hadn't gotten those brakes fixed a week before? There's probably no way I would have been able to stop completely. I mean, it was close. And then I would have rear-ended the guy and probably would have engine damage and way more issues than just a fender bender. So, I mean, I think stuff like that when something happens, well, the situation could be worse, you know? (laughs) Right. Like you could have focused on the, you could have gotten out of your car, you could have pulled a a New Jersey and gone totally haywire wire, right? Some road rage because we have a lot of road rage here. And yeah, and you could have focused on that instead of saying, you know what? So what? Because Mm -hmm. I have gratitude that I got my brakes fixed. Mm -hmm. Someone could have died, right? Yeah, that too. So you're choosing, you have a choice. You have a choice to focus on what the negative is or what could have been right? And what could have been is a lot worse than your little fender bender. So you're saying, you know what? So what to that little fender bender? Yeah, it's an inconvenience, but darn, I am so darn happy that I got my brakes fixed and everybody's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, you're lucky, you know? You're just, the timing in life sometimes is really remarkable. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure every anyone can think of some kind of example like that in their life. And so, yeah, I think if we just start, you know, switching our thinking to thinking of the positive or the, so this happened, but so what? It could be, right. this could have happened instead, you know, whatever. Right. And it doesn't mean not to care about anything, but it allows you to focus on those things that really matter, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are the things that you can't say so what to, right? There's certain things you won't say so what to. Mm. And those are the things that you focus on that matter. But the audience, I would love for you to like really dig deep and start thinking about your so what, right? When things start to happen, when you start feeling like you're getting mad at someone, start saying, you know what, so what? Who cares? But know what to say so what to and what not to, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then you'll have a more enriched life. And then you could focus on the things that that are really, really important that matter. I'm actually reading a book right now that just came out called Soundtracks by John Acuff. I don't know if... Mm -hmm. I've only gotten a few chapters in so far, but it does seem kind of along those lines of what's going on in your head, the soundtracks and how to change them and things like that. Have you thought about writing a book called So What? I feel like that would be a good title. Yes, 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 yes. I must. I've been thinking about it. I'm just trying to think of how I'm going to do it because I have different ideas. So yeah, I'm definitely going to do I'm totally going to do it. But it's just interesting that my TEDx talk Colleges are using it. Companies are using it as training. Like, I didn't even know people are reaching out to me. I mean, it's just the impact. And I think that's really important. No matter what you do, find the impact. You may be selling something that you think you have no impact. Okay, let's just say, I don't know, you're selling hair products. Let's say clips for your hair. Now, you may say to yourself, "Eh, how am I changing someone's life? Well, maybe you are, you know, maybe you talk about hair because we're so tied to our hair, you know, our hair is so important and how people feel so much better about themselves, right? And so if you really find that thing that you sell that helps someone and turn the information that you could share with someone that can change their lives, then you need to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think no matter what your product or service is, it, there's always someone who can use it and they can change someone's life in some way, shape or form. Right, exactly. So just don't be afraid to get yourself out there. That's You really have to. You have to be resilient. I think that is if you're not resilient, you know, because there's ups and downs. My motto in my business is on to the next. So if I something doesn't go my way, okay, on to the next. And I do the same thing when I have success because that's another trap is when you become successful. Like I started getting all these entrepreneurial awards and you know, people would just come up to me and I really wouldn't get that excited. Now, I don't know if my thinking is the right way. I'm not saying you should think this way because I almost feel like maybe I could be a little wrong about this, but this is how I am. I never really got too excited over it. Yes, you should enjoy your success, but don't get too complacent because that's when you start going downhill, right? So stay on top of your game always and keep saying on to the next. Great. Had the success, on to the next, enjoy it, on to the next. I failed. All right. I quote learning on to the next, on to the next. You can't start, if you start getting worried that you lost this client or they didn't want to do business with me, I take it personally. You can't. You just have to figure out what happened. It wasn't meant to be. How can I, maybe I need to make some adjustments, learn from it and move on. Yeah. I feel like you've offered so much good advice that some of it, I knew, but need to be reminded of and other stuff I just hadn't thought of before. And I'm just like, and I'm going to need to watch that TED talk. I'll, you know what? I'm going to put it in the show notes for this episode. I'll put that TED talk in there because I think it was on your website. I can just, yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, I guess people can go to your website as well. That's what, let's see, consultnetworks.com. And that's with an X. Right. And then careernetworks.com also with an X. Okay. Yep. So consultant networks was my, is my main company. That's the first one that started. And that's more of my, you know, the recruiting unconscious bias, diversity and inclusion. 
And then the career networks is more of the business coaching and the career coaching. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll put both of those in the show notes as well as the TED Talk and a link to your book and and other things that we talked about. And that'll be at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Gail. That's G-A-I-L. And did you have anything else that you wanted to go over or touch on before we ended? When you mentioned my company, the reason why I have an X at the end is I was inspired by Sarah Blakely Spanx. Oh, uh-huh. she did her X. And I saw that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. So find your inspiration and go outside of your industry to find it. Because I think that's where you're going to find like the best inspiration because you don't want to copy someone else in your industry. But I don't consider myself copying Sarah, right? It's just... She doesn't own an ex, right? (laughs) But she gave me inspiration to do that for my company. And I actually reached out to her and she was like, oh my gosh, that's great. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like you inspired me to put the ex at the end of my business. So, you know, when you see something, go with your gut. When you feel it, go for it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that I was kind of wondering where the ex came from. So that's that's helpful, I guess, to know that. And there's a good point about just using your inspiration and whether it's in naming your business or... Uh, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. You, may just, you may look at something and it just you, makes you feel good. Go with that. I always go with that. And it never fails me. Usually. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And man, I've learned so much. I appreciate it. And I, I can't wait for this book whenever it comes out the so what book (laughs) well you know what now you've inspired me so thank you to really get on it because writing a book is is not easy for not for me it it took me four years to write my other book Mm. but I was also when I when I started it I I started before I had cancer and then in the middle I was diagnosed so obviously it kind of set me back but I finally got it done. But yeah, this one, I just need to focus, get it done. And books are a great way too. You could self-publish and that's what I did. Just keep trying different things and branding yourself and put your name out there and visibility. And that doesn't have to cost you much. So yeah, that's it. And just don't give up. Have faith in yourself. There's going to be good days and bad days, but don't forget on to the next, (laughs) on to the next, on to the next. And that will serve you so well. Trust me on that one. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to end with on to the next. (laughs) On to the next. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah, for having me. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.